Welcome or welcome back to The Bicultural Identity, a podcast created from the experiences unique to young Asians raised in a Western society. We're your hosts, Connie and Jenny. Our weekly episodes contain conversations around social issues, pop culture topics, and nostalgic childhood memories that are significant in our lives as second-gen Canadians. Today we have another guest on our show. Why don't you introduce yourself, Kyra? Hi guys, my name is Kyra. I identify as cisgendered lesbian slash gay slash queer. Um, I'm Chinese Canadian. I was born in Hong Kong and moved here in Toronto when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So that's like a straight up, I guess, teaser of what the topic is today. <laughs> Connie, do you want to introduce the topic? Um, we're going to talk about a growing Asian LGBTQIA plus community in 2020. Me and Jenny are both straight, so we could never really <laughs> like, provide good insight on this topic. And so we thought it'd be a perfect opportunity to invite Kyra so we can talk about this more. I think we'll start off talking about Kyra's experience, and she can also talk about how she feels about Asian representation in the community or the lack thereof. Sure. Uh, so yeah, as I mentioned, I grew up in Hong Kong. I was there until I was like 13 or 14, I, I don't really remember. But growing up in Hong Kong, I never really saw any um, LGBTQ plus characters in shows, like in Hong Kong shows, TVB shows. And even if there were, they're like kind of there for sh- uh, jokes. So oh. uh, yeah, and I also went to an Anglican school from like kindergarten to grade nine before moving here with my sister. A funny thing is actually I I asked my parents to let me move here because I like someone from my school who was oh. a girl, who is a girl, I guess. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do with my feelings and emotions because um, I still remember like sex education at school was um, like they asked some pastors or like mm-hmm. people who worked at the church to come in and be like, um, don't have sex before you get married and get married to a guy. Lovely. And that was basically it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, I have these emotions or feelings towards someone of the same gender. And I don't know what to do with it. I guess I should run away. So I literally moved country for Wait, that. Wait, did your whole family <gasps> move or was it just you? Um, it was me and my sister because mm. my so my family uh, my sister was actually born in Canada, but my family moved back to Hong Kong because of my dad's business. Oh, okay. mm. uh, so we always had plans to move back anyways. It's just like I asked for it. So we came mm. earlier. Okay. Kind of. Did you find your experience here any better then? Um, I mean, at first I was like, oh, maybe maybe I only felt that way because I grew up only meeting girlfriends because mm-hmm. my school was all girls so i was like maybe if i meet guys i would start liking guys and stuff like that um and i still remember one day i came home from school and i was like i still have all these unanswered questions so i asked my sister i was like hey would you rather kiss a girlfriend that you're really close to or a guy stranger so i like made it really i thought i made it really easy to, for her <laughs> to just say the girlfriend <laughs> Uh, but she was like, uh, obviously a guy. And I was like, same. And I ran straight no. to my room and searched, like, what does it mean to want to kiss your friends? Like, girlfriends. And, and then, like, that was kind of like my exposure to, um, LGBTQ plus issues or uh. topics at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew, obviously, I, I've heard about it before when I was in mm-hmm. Hong Kong, but no one would ever talk about it. There were, like, no shows, no podcasts at that time. <laughs> obviously, I wouldn't ask my parents about it. We don't talk about it in school, so it was just kind of, like, a thing that exists, and I know about it, but I 
don't know about like, it. Like you never thought it would sense. happen to you or something. Like it's just like something you saw once in a while, but wasn't talked about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess like I have like a similar thing that I was thinking of too, where my experience or lack thereof is kind of like a, a different way to put it where I found that because there was this lack of exposure. So like our family obviously doesn't talk about it a lot, but they wouldn't like talk negatively about it either. So I found like mm-hmm. when I grew up and then obviously now like the community has grown in like size and power, I guess, in their voice. I just like found it was a lot easier to accept almost because it was like a blank slate for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I remember growing up, I really hated reading fictions. Like I, I still remember a lot of my friends at the time, they would read like romance novels mm-hmm. um i i hated it like i didn't read any of them i only read non-fictions because i could never relate to the characters in the mm-hmm. books when they and then when my friends would talk about boys or like being i guess like boy cra- crazy at that time <laughs> i just never could relate to it mm-hmm. and i just i just never found them attractive and i didn't <laughs> understand why <laughs> See, I don't understand why I find them attractive. No, seriously, like 100%. And like this year, I remember I found like a book on our shelf because I'm like finally back in my family home. um, And I found like this YA book that was signed by the author. And I remember like going to the library to meet this author. And I decided to just reread the book to see like what the hype was all about. And it was so toxic. I don't know why I was reading that stuff as a younger kid, but... It was just, like, so clearly, like, not even on the side of heteronormativity and all that. It was, like, the whole gender definition and, like, your role in a relationship. And it was so weird. Oh, my God. Like, I hated that book. Sounds gross. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I read it again. I shouldn't have. (laughs) I guess that's all things that we grow up influenced by. Very sad. So, like, did you find there's a conflict between how East Asians viewed the LGBT community and, like, us here in the West? Yeah, for sure. I mean, but uh, disclaimer is that I guess my intersectionality is different from everyone else. So I'm just speaking from my experience. Mm-hmm. And obviously, my parents and I have um, different cultural brings and others. So I don't want to say my experience like the experience, but this is how I view it um, is my parents are actually I know a lot of friends who came out and had a had a hard time coming out because their parents are really Christian or religious. Mm-hmm. My parents are not that. My my dad, he he says he's Buddhist and my mom is just like I think she's atheist. Um so when I came out to them they they never like said anything about like homosexuality being a sin mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. They I guess they just wanted me to not be gay like they don't want me to have to face more hardship Mm -hmm. as an asian in canada as a minority i guess um so yeah when i came out to them actually it was pretty easy because i came out to them pretty late like second year of university Um, uh jenny you met me at the time i had like short hair i wore like traditionally viewed as like men clothing so like i i look very androgynous and i guess my parents kind of um well, clothing and hairstyle don't have uh, sexuality, but I think like like parents, people in the older generation, yeah. they tend to assume. So they kind of knew or they assumed that I was gay or that I like girls. Mm-hmm. So when I came up to them, my mom actually laughed. Like she just <laughs> laughed and like didn't say anything. She was like, are you dating someone? I was like, no. And then she's like, okay then. And that was it. And when I came wow. up to my dad, he just, he was just like, I knew it. And that was it. Like it was a pretty quick 
come out story, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still remember, like, I was taking the bus with my dad. We were in Hong Kong at that time. I think going, uh, we had dinner together. And he was, like, pointing at girls in the subway station. <laughs> I was like, is that your type? Is that your type? And being really loud, <laughs> like, so he was really loud. And I was like, Dad, please stop embarrassing <laughs> me. Yeah, so they're pretty accepting. But I do know a lot of people who had a hard time coming out. Um, I think mostly because as a nation, as a Chinese, I think we're more aware of like giving face and saving face and all that. Mm-hmm. Like I think they're more afraid of people talking poorly about me or that mm. family member not accepting me than my feelings and who who I am actually. Like yeah. they just want me to be happy, obviously, and they have to consider more than themselves and myself yeah i feel like they have to consider like society it's always asian family drama that ruins everything like the gossip (laughs) and like the weird whispers or like when people go to like asian family gatherings and you know like they're just waiting for someone to mess up Mm -hmm. so i totally get where it kind of goes back to where you're saying your your family just wanted you to not like have more hardships to deal with yeah i do wonder though like you said a lot of asian people you know might have struggled coming out but do you see like an improvement in like the education about the LGBTQI plus community in Asia? Because for example, when Jenny and I watch Chinese TV, we still find it extremely like heteronormative, which mm-hmm. is kind of expected if you consider the society. But like, do you see it slowly evolving? Um, to be very honest, I, I haven't been watching that many TVB new dramas. But I still remember when I was a kid, there was this show and a character and it was named So Gay. Like, literally, his last name is So, and then oh, his no. name is Gay. And he was, like, he he was um, playing a character who's really effeminate, like a guy, and everyone would, like, assume that he was gay. And at the end, he ended up dating some woman who was very masculine-presenting. And that was kind of, like, a joke mm. itself. So it was, like, oh, like, gay people, like, it's not true. Um, even even this guy who appears to be really gay. I don't know. That just brought me the wrong way and it kind of stuck with Mm me. But I remember probably a drama from a few years ago, two or three years ago, there was this um, side character who is, who's a lesbian. And at the end, she, she found someone, I guess, but like the short storyline was very short, but she was presented in a, I wouldn't say positive. It was just a neutral way. It's just like, oh, someone like this exists. And, that was to me a really big improvement mm, already. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, um, the new Korean show on Netflix, Itaewon Class, I think. Yeah, yeah um, I watched that and I was so yeah. impressed. <laughs> there was a transgender mm-hmm. character, and yeah, I think that was pretty good too. It was well done because they kind of showed how it endangered her almost, and like you mm-hmm. know how the guy tried to expose her for being transgender. Yeah. I thought that storyline was like really good. Mm-hmm. And it, it's surprising too because it's a really popular drama Mm -hmm. i wonder what the reception was in korea towards that story i'm not sure either and and there was a movie um the handmaiden oh Oh, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i've heard of that the korean drama uh the korean Mm -hmm. movie but my girlfriend actually she said that um apparently a lot of korean men went to the theater to watch it as porn so i like that's it's actually sad too because i haven't watched that movie yet and i know it's good but something that people tend to always mention about the movie is that there's like an extended like sex scene or like very sexual scene and that's Mm -hmm. like one thing they just always point out as like Mm -hmm. a main feature of the movie which is like one of my only impressions of it at this point because i haven't watched it and 
I think the director was a guy mm. as well, and I'm not sure how I feel about that as well. Yeah, I think in general, the like whenever there's LGBTQIA plus content in a drama, it's almost always fetishized, and it's kind of like infuriating to see. I think there's a popular uh, genre in Japanese called what's it called? Ya- yaoi, yaoi, or like yeah. yaoi or something. And I just don't understand why there's like a huge population of cis straight women who likes or enjoy watching that. I just think it's a very weird fetishization of the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know if I can speak to it that much because I I didn't really look into it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm wondering too if kind of like towards your question is from my like really limited experience on Stan Twitter. <laughs> and like the other side of not really yaoi but like just like gay ships within like male like idol yeah. groups and everything is like i almost see it as a form of like taught misogyny or something where you'd rather like ship your men together than like have them ever interact with another woman well an explanation i've also heard for this is that like for example for bl even if it's cartoon characters like girls like to see more of men if mm. they're straight, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's an explanation too. True. Yeah, I was just gonna say like, I think the companies itself also was like kind of promoting for the fans to ship the members together. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, they like the relationship kind of stays within the group mm-hmm. and they can continue to monetize that or like profit off mm-hmm. of that instead of just letting them date whoever they want outside of the group, if that yeah. makes sense. No, and it's like, I've always wondered too why, because I have so little exposure to it. Um, like, you know, the media is always creating these like yaoi or like BL stories. So it's like always around like the topic of being gay. But in terms of like mm-hmm. growing up and even seeing like these gay, gay characters in Glee, for example, which was my first exposure um, to like <laughs> yeah. gay characters Same. properly, is like I never really registered that well or i guess glee kind of had it too but in other content i never registered that well like what it meant to be lesbian do you know what i mean like there's always like that male mm-hmm. representation side in media i find yeah there really lacks lesbian representation and even in modern mm-hmm. day shows i find like the mainstream shows i watch still only put like random lesbian sex scenes but then they don't really explore the romance as much or anything but like i find there's more gay romance like if you think about the main movies that represent the lgbtqia plus community i think of like movies like brokeback mountain or like that musical rent all those things are like so gay oriented but not lesbian oriented mm-hmm. and i think that's that's kind of like one of the reasons why i struggled so much with my feelings as well growing up because when you don't see representation in media or around you you really have no one to talk to and you also don't know who to look up to you don't know how to act you don't Mm -hmm. know how to like when you like someone you're like oh what am i supposed to say what am i supposed to do um kind of like my experience growing up i I remember in high school one of my teachers kind of gave me an advice that i still remember um i don't even remember his name but he said something along the lines of like you're about to leave for university so you might think this is the perfect opportunity for you to just up your life and restart but it's not that easy like your roots follow you and until you properly face them you would never be comfortable with yourself and i mm-hmm. I think that was very profound like 
to me when I was 16 because at that time I, I chose Queens um, because it was far away from Toronto and no one like maybe three other people from my school went there mm-hmm. so I was like oh when I when I go to somewhere when no one knows me I can finally be myself mm-hmm. but I actually had a really hard time because you can't just not have a community or not have people support you yeah so that's like kind of like a conflict of being asian in a predominantly white school and like having to take the time yourself to also like deal with your feelings and and just stuff that you don't understand growing mm-hmm. up and you just can't you can't just like start over it's not that easy yeah like going to university is already overwhelming enough like if you're moving away for anyone mm-hmm. and then or I don't know if I am putting this the right way and feel free to step in, but like there's so much more to an identity that can open up beyond like what sexual orientation you identify as. And like all mm-hmm. of that kind of comes into play as soon as you're away from home almost. And mm-hmm. like you're trying to find new friends that accept you for like all those things. And I can see how it's just an added layer of like extreme kind of stress factor. Yeah, especially when you, when I didn't grow up watching things that represented how I feel. So when I was at Queens all by myself, like I didn't know how to act in that situation, right? Like I don't know how people in my situation would act. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a question, I just like thought of this off the top of my head, but I know that you spent a period of your university time in Japan. Did you find that there was any like profound experiences from this or like was it generally just like unproblematic and just not really a significant part of your experience there? Um, I think my experience would be not representative of what LGBTQ plus people um, yeah. in Japan would feel like because I was surrounded by international students. So like everyone around me came from all over the world. And like when I would come out to them, quote unquote, it was just like, oh, my girlfriend, whatever, like, or... um so this girl or whatever, like it was like very easy for me to just talk about my feelings mm-hmm. and who I'm dating at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also did that to Japanese, well, with Japanese people as well. I feel like they're not, and there's one thing like culturally about Japanese people too, is that they don't voice their opinions right. that much. Oh, yeah. yeah, they just like keep it to themselves. They try to be polite. So you don't really know what, they, what they're thinking under it. And they also would not challenge you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, vocally as well but yeah my my experience there was overall very positive i also met a lot of queer people in japan so i had a lot of fun <laughs> oh that's so good to hear uh yeah like i remember based on actually kyra and i have another mutual friend who also was away in japan for a few years and i remember seeing something on her instagram story that just made me like super sad and like i kind of had to stop and think for a bit because i think she was traveling somewhere in southeast asia and she got like a screenshot on Tinder or something of saying like, if you're looking for someone who's like the same sex as you on Tinder for a meetup, like you have to be careful or something because like the LGBTQIA plus community is like really vulnerable in this, like these specific areas yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember seeing that, Kyra. Yeah, but... That's very true. Um, like that's also something that I have to consider when traveling, right? Like I have to research about how locals react to uh, LGBTQIA plus people and when my my girlfriend came to visit me in Japan like we we talked about what we can and cannot do in public mm. but I think uh, one good thing or privilege about being a lesbian couple is that it's 
pretty common to see girls holding <laughs> hands true. on the street <laughs> in Asia. <laughs> it's like a sign of friendship. So we we didn't experience any violence or anything、That's、like、good. that. But、um, yeah, what what you what you mentioned, Jenny, kind of reminded me of an incident.、Um, so I was tutoring Japanese people for for money in when I was there, like tutoring them、mm-hmm. English. So some guy actually messaged me online and asking to be my friend, or whatever. I was like, oh,、um, I don't feel comfortable with this because you're a stranger. I don't know, the, the, like I forgot what specifically he said, but it made me uncomfortable. So I just straight up said that to him, and then he just like said something very homophobic to me. Nice. Yeah. So he, he, you probably maybe you could bleep it out, but he was like, "Okay, I don't want to be your friend in any ways, bitch." Like you, and then he said the f word to me. So、hmm. love that. That was that was my only scary incident in Japan, I guess.、Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same here. Like, I remember Jenny. I don't know if you remember like a story that happened in the city we grew up in, but there was like a lesbian couple on a bus, and gay people are fetishized. But I find like lesbians are fetishized a lot more sometimes. Like, if you think about the type of porn that men are、mm. thought to watch. So, anyways, these group of men were like shouting at them to kiss, and they wouldn't like do it because it was just so weird that they were like requesting this. Right? It's like gross. And so they refuse, and then they beat them up. That does so, sound familiar to me now. I don't know if you remember this stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's like so horrific. So like, it's not just Asia. Obviously, we have a lot to work on here as well. Yeah, for sure. Connie had a question. I think following. Oh yeah, I wanted to bring it back to like representation in the media. I actually talked about this in the last book club meeting because we read a book called Song of Achilles. We're all in a book club together, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we're on a book club together. So this is like a novel about a gay romance, and I just made an observation, and I kind of googled it, and apparently it's like a common thing to like kind of question, especially if you're in the LGBTQIA plus community. But so much content that's mainstream about this community is tragic; like it has to end in like death or something. There, there's actually a running joke in、uh, the lesbian community that if there's a lesbian couple in The show, then one of them's gonna die, because they <laughs>、so、always、sad. do. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but they always do.、Um, but yeah, I, I never thought of it that way. Maybe, maybe we are not only fetishized but also romanticized in a way that,、mm-hmm. like, love can't just be love to us. It can't be simple, like fall in love, fall in love, whatever. It has to be tragic. It has to be big because you're overcoming so much. That like the last step is just a big thing.、Mm-hmm. I don't know、mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, it does. I also wonder if there's just like a lot of content out there that obviously I'm not familiar with because it's not mainstream, and I should like really look into more LGBTQIA plus content. But I'm wondering if the things that become mainstream are mainstream because they leave a huge impact like this. And if it was just like any old love story, like random daily life, then maybe that would only interest the gay community right now. Mm-hmm. Which, if we start normalizing it more and more, maybe it will become mainstream as well. Hopefully,、mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. I think that could be it. I mean, not to get into suddenly get into cancel culture,、um, but I think mainstream is kind of reflected based on a specific incident I remember, which is like the scandal with Kevin Hart、um, in America、oh, yeah. and how he can like kind of. Go ahead and say like pretty homophobic statements verbally and on his Twitter, but it was kind of just like a one night thing where people were kind of calling him out for a bit. 
And now he's like mm-hmm. one of the most loved comedians again. And it's just like, it's tolerated for him to say, you know, like, oh, I'm okay with gay people as long as they're not my children or something, which is yeah. already I think so it was like off. way ruder than that, yeah, actually. I don't know. Like, he said it in a way more vulgar way. But I think it's, like, it shows what, like, dictates mainstream media still, you know? Like, it's yeah. not quite there yet. It's terrible. But mm-hmm. but thinking towards the romanticization, or romantic, I can't speak, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think it's, like, interesting because it's playing a pretty significant role in China specifically, or in the media, because... I think China falls into this weird category of um, obviously they have to control their content a little more, but recently they've opened up so much to like BL dramas. Right. I don't know. I, I think it made a pretty big impact. Like one of the dramas is called The Untamed and it's on Netflix. And we watched it with like our mom, for example, right, Connie? Or she's the one who recommended yeah. it to us. Yeah, she watched it yeah. first, actually. <laughs> and I think it like made this weird impact on like the population there because obviously they couldn't show any romantic aspect of the relationship like they were supposed to just be best friends in the drama adapted version just bros being bros (laughs) but like i think they just put enough feeling in there that there's like an obvious signal about lgbtqia plus like the topic and about like Mm -hmm. the original story it was adapted from which is fetishized by the way so that's not great but I, I just, I don't know, I found it changed, like, her opinion a lot, and it changed a lot of people's opinion in China. But there is, like, obviously the tragedy and the romanticization and all that. Yeah, like, you said there wasn't any explicit romance in it, but I think the entire thing was kind of romantic. Exactly. It just lacked the sexual elements, which was, like, really refreshing, because here in the West, a lot of the content out there is just fetishized Asian and, like, explicit scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like that kind of adds on to what uh, like kind of my experience as well why it took me so long to come out is because in shows or dramas that involve an Asian person coming out to their parents it always ends in struggle or like there's always a big fallout big argument like there I, mm-hmm. I can't think of any show any movie um, that ends in like the parent just accepting them right away mm-hmm. like the character always has to go through some struggle and at the end they would accept them and hug and and say i love you or whatever and cry and like at the time i was like okay maybe things would get better even if it doesn't end up great at first but to me i was like what 18 19 i wanted my parents to keep loving Mm -hmm. me and and not like disown me for even a day right Mm -hmm. so at the so i just i was just really scared of coming out i feel like the lack of representation of healthy asian relationship within the family is also troubling to me do you find that um i don't know how valid of a question this is but do you find that maybe mainstream movies mainstream media about lgbtqia plus is being more so a signal to like the straight community more so than the lgbtqia plus community then or what do you mean by signal so like it's more of a message for do you find that these movies are more of a message for like the straight community on um like this is what lgbtqia plus is and this is why like it shouldn't be you know like such a controversial topic of it so like for example going off the storyline you just said it reminds me a lot of when i watched love simon Mm -hmm. and because like i wasn't someone who understood what characters like simon had to go through people like simon had to go through it touched me a lot 
But I think in the mm-hmm. sense where if you're part of the LGBTQIA plus community, it might just be like another dramatic story about a person coming out in high school. Like, do you find it's more tailored to a straight audience almost in the mainstream? Or does it also give the LGBTQIA plus community like the feeling of representation they're looking for? I think obviously, to me, I think it's both because um, obviously a lot of people have that experience uh, that they represent on screen. Uh, a lot of people have strained relationship with their parents because of that. So I can't just discount mm-hmm. their um, experience. I'm just saying that the lack of healthy relationship is also a problem in itself. And I, I just sure. hope that they would represent, I think they always, I feel like they always represent like Asian families in a toxic way. Mm-hmm. Like uh-huh. they always just like present parents in a way that they only want their children to succeed and be be a good student, be a good child. And I feel like a lot of parents don't just want that. They want their children to be happy. Mm-hmm. And you don't really see that in Western media. I think that's a problem itself. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, everyone's just supposed to be a tiger mom in Western media. <laughs> even even in like subtle Asian traits as well. It becomes, yeah. I think it's becoming a meme, but I don't think it's something that's funny. Like they're just making fun of kind of like trauma mm-hmm. and abuse. Yeah, it's- which I don't it like shouldn't that group be. Uh-huh. I think subtle Asian traits so off topic, but they got called out recently for on TikTok. Yeah, because like, <laughs> they actually like always kick people out and ban them permanently if they bring up any significant topics. Like the example I saw was someone posted about Black Lives Matter, and they got, they got kicked out. And basically, subtle Asian traits is just for like very not tasteful Asian stereotype jokes now about like it's boba. Just for, like, yeah, bubble tea and um, raves. So. Yeah, that I can't relate to too. Mm-hmm. I don't drink bubble tea. I hardly do. We're the same. <laughs> I can't relate, but I also don't talk about bubble tea every day. So I feel like it's a. It they probably the admins got sponsored by bubble tea shops, and they're promoting it. <laughs> it's a theory. <laughs> I mean, like this comes into maybe. Um, a concern I have too is I find Connie and I and like the friends I surround myself with have really what do you even call it like open mindsets or like we're very strong about our values but like as someone who's straight and has a general preference towards Asian men I get so sad when I think about their toxic mindsets towards things you know oh my god (laughs) like I find that there's call them out no it's like Uh, Maybe in terms of the Asian American or Asian Canadian community, I still find it very hard to find people who don't like or find like guys our age who don't occasionally crack the very like sexist or homophobic jokes with their friends. And it's just not funny anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Just the thought. Um, Just the thought that comes. I like how you called them out. Well, it's true. (laughs) I'm on Hinge and I just like look at their faces and I'm like, you're probably not the one. (laughs) No, Oof. thank you. You're labeling Jenny. <laughs> or is that what we call it? You're screening them? I guess so. Based on what they look like? Yeah. I just heard your um, episode on that. Wow. Our this avid morning. listener. <laughs> I'm a fan. Aw, <laughs> thank you. I was so excited to have you on. I wanted to talk about, or Connie and I wanted to talk about this topic for a really long time, but we have like n- no like direct experience, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. It's kind of like... Well, we did do the Black Lives Matter episode, but it was more scary for me to do 
because I know I'm not as educated as I should be. And so it's like always better to have representation when you're doing episodes like mm-hmm. this. So I'm very mm-hmm. glad Kyra agreed to be on our show. <laughs> yeah. That's that's great. I mean, having me on here, it's kind of like a way of being an ally because you're giving space for marginalized people to speak and not just speaking for them. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess, and don't be afraid of conversations. Like a lot of us are willing to talk. It's just... As long as you don't put all the burden on our shoulder, mm-hmm. like, we're not here Definitely. to just... We don't exist just to educate you. I feel like there are a lot of cis tr- straight people who feel us that way, and it's just annoying. But yeah, I don't yeah that's really annoying. <laughs> that's not your att- intention, and that's why I came on. I think that's something that I do struggle with, is like, I think Orkani and I, how I see it, is like, we are allies of the community, but we kind of just like you know we accept and like we see and like it's like a norm for us the concept of lgbtqia but it's like mm-hmm. the idea of not wanting to overhype your position or like overstep your role in being an ally mm-hmm. or like how much to be involved right like i i see a lot of people or like a lot of straight people on social media kind of over glorifying what they're doing being for their yeah yeah like I don't know, but I don't know if that's right to call out or anything because there's obviously more, much more room to grow together. But yeah, I don't know. It's always been confusing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're all working on unlearning things mm-hmm. ourselves. And I also speak from a position of privilege. I'm able-bodied. I'm, you know, I, I my family's not poor. Mm-hmm. Like, I have things. Nice. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have cats. They're like the only thing I talk about. That's where I am uh, not privileged. <laughs> I thought they'd make an appearance on this episode, like they'd meow or something. But I they guess actually they're, being they, they're not talkative, and I think they're sleeping now because they were really naughty for hours. <laughs> they were just running around. Now, obviously, now I want them to make an appearance. They're quiet. <laughs> we know they're there. I was having there. a work meeting this morning, yeah. and um, one of my cats just stepped all over my laptop and fell into me (laughs) well we can feel their presence (laughs) okay cool so i think that was a really good first intro into this topic especially as like on our podcast and everything and for connie and i like a conversation Mm -hmm. like this so thank you kyra it was very nice thank you so much so now that we've reached the end of our main segment kyra you can give us your recommendations of the week yeah, so I have a few favorites, obviously. Um, one of my favorite is Saving Face. It's a movie about two Chinese-American women who are kind of navigating their queerness and feelings. It touches on cultural barriers around like parents with LGBTQIA plus children, more specifically just like lesbians, and also single parents and age gaps and getting pregnant outside of marriage, etc. It's just overall a very great movie that shows the complexity of Asians or Chinese in America Mm -hmm. and and the director also directed the new movie the half of it it's new and it's on Netflix so if you want to watch it it's on there and one movie I also really like is Happy Together it's a really old movie with Leslie Chung and Tony Leung Um, it's very beautifully shot it's about a relationship between two gay men and they never really touch on like the struggle of them being gay it was just like a representation of them like gay mm. chinese men um in a foreign country so i i really really like that um there's also another movie called dear x it's a taiwanese movie about 
a guy who has to deal with his partner passing and also has to deal with kind of conflict between his ex-partner and his family, like his wife and his son. Um, it's a really sad movie, but very, very genuine. So mm. I recommend that you watch those three movies, Saving Face, Dear X, and Happy Together. Thank you. I'm actually going to go watch all of these. Yeah. I need to like <laughs> actually consume more content like this. I actually didn't know about more. these movies, so that's refreshing. Yeah, I, I've heard of none of them before, so that's a good <laughs> yeah. sign. <laughs> I really, I really, really like Saving Face because it's it's not just about Asian; it's Asian American. I guess it's relatable enough for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Leslie Chung, like even less a lesbian woman, I love him. He's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace. But I love him so much. I think we've talked about him a bit, Connie, in our family, like our parents. So I know a really? little bit about this guy. I think. Wait, what's his like name in Mandarin? Zhang. Um, uh, <laughs> Zhang Guo Rong. Yeah. Something like that. Okay, yeah, we definitely talk about him. My mom likes him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of Asia likes him. <laughs> okay, we are going to watch that movie on Friday, Connie, for a movie night. I'm so down. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Kyra, for coming on. We're going to harass you again in a few months to come on again. <laughs> yeah, for part two. Or okay, about good. anything. I about like- just your cats. <laughs> cat cast oh my god yes <laughs> yeah maybe they they could be the podcast guest <laughs> <laughs> i think that's the episode that's gonna make us famous it's gonna be 20 Just 20 minutes meowing. of meowing yeah yeah <laughs> i kind of live streamed my cat sleeping to to jenny that yeah it was day. so nice <gasps> i'm gonna join <laughs> in on these <laughs> it was very it sounds so soothing i was talking to jenny about how i'm like kind of worried that i left a really bad impression on connie because <laughs> the time we oh, met no, i was no. drunk and then I'm always so weird. I'm so weird when I'm drunk. It's the definition of our our university experience, (laughs) though, like, specifically our university. It's just everyone meets, like, really drunk. Yeah, I'm used to it when I go to Queens. (laughs) Even though it wasn't at Queens, but... Was it not at Queens? I thought you went to Queens. No, it was in Toronto. Oh. Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay, I first met you when you were sober still, so it was fine. I had a good impression of Uh... you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Kyra. You are, we are also big fans of you, um, just as yes, an entire person. And next time, let's record in person, if that's even possible yeah. ever. But yeah. Looking forward to that time. True. I just hope I'm up there with uh, Sunny on my favorite <laughs> list. <laughs> I'll simp for Sunny and Kyra only. I think that's acceptable. That, is that should be in your hinge bio. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> don't swipe right unless you're Kyra Sunny. <laughs> don't swipe right unless you're them or you simp for them. But then I still have to be the oh. biggest simp. Okay, any last words, Kyra, for the episode? The people that all want to hear you speak? Uh, that's a lot of pressure. Okay, I got it. <laughs> follow, follow Jenny and Connie on Instagram. <laughs> follow their podcast. Subscribe and listen and support local businesses. Um, during Christmas. Wow. If uh, you celebrate Christmas and happy holiday. True. That's so the most wholesome. important thing. Lo- local businesses and following us on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, follow me too if you want. Yeah, follow Kyra. <laughs> and my cats. <laughs> Do your cats have Instagram? I'm going to go follow now. It's called the Fluffy Meow. I'll, I'll send it to you after. Okay, okay yeah, I'm definitely following. <laughs> okay. okay, this is getting out of hand. Connie, <laughs> do you want to wrap us up? <laughs> 
Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion on this week's topic. To hear more, you can subscribe to The Bicultural Identity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. While you're at it, we'd also greatly appreciate any reviews on iTunes or simply sharing our podcast with your family and friends. But of course, no pressure. As well, any opinions and experiences discussed are solely based on our own experiences as second gens. We invite you to engage with us on our Instagram, at The Bicultural Identity, where you can also find the link to our website with our show notes. Thanks again for listening and be sure to tune in next Monday for our next episode. See you then.